Chavtet Tishrei, Tafshin Ayin Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Seagull Network.
ever, so they say in the park. That was Poogie with their classic Yo-Ya. And I am not Poogie. I am Mayor Weingarten. Welcome one and all to the Israel Show. We are live on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your day. We are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern Time, 4 PM Israel Time. And whenever you want to listen, on demand, on the Nachum Siegel site, nachumsiegel.com, and also via the app, Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free in the iTunes Store and in the Android uh, Google Store as well, Google Play. And we hope that you join us and uh, make us part of your weekly routine, as have so many before us. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Israel Show, and um, we post after every show, the links to the songs that we play and features that we covered, whether they're articles and so forth. Today we have lots of things to post. I mean, look out for it. And if you're not on our Facebook page, get on there, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, because we have some important links that we're going to share with you, uh, including one of them includes actually a download of a, a free book, um, which which is uh, very current currently in the news. We have so much to do. Let's get down to it. I want to share with you something that I feel we should never have to hear. I assume that you've all heard that during Chol HaMoed Sukkot, a young couple 30 years old, the wife and the husband just a bit older, were murdered by terrorists in the Shomron as they were driving at night back from a class reunion to their home. And the animals that murdered them were a cell of the Hamas who were in the Shomron. They had previously tried to murder Jews, but were unsuccessful. This time, sadly, they were successful. As the Henkins were driving, the murderers pulled up alongside their car and shot at them. Then when the car stopped, they pulled over, went out of their car, and went over to the Henkins car to make sure that they were dead. They saw four children in the back seat, ranging from nine years old, that was the oldest, that is the oldest, Matan, to an infant. Nine-month-old Itamar, between them is Nitsan, who is seven, and Neta, who is four. And so many had asked, well, why didn't they kill the kids? And until they were caught, and until the investigation was completed, crazy people, that's the only thing I can say, crazy people in Israel, Israelis, on television, we're thinking, well, maybe they wanted to show us their humanity, that they kill settlers but not little children. Oh my God, how could you think that? Really? Really? The fact is that as they were making sure the parents were dead, one of the terrorists was accidentally shot by the, by, in the arm by another one of the terrorists. And so they had to quickly get away from there. They ran into the car and fled, leaving the four children in the back seat. Don't give them any humanity, please. Let's not do that. And I want to tell you a little bit about the Henkins. But first, I want to play for you what I said is an audio, a piece of audio that we never want to hear. 
This is Matan Henkin, nine years old, the oldest child. Now remember, he's nine. He saw what happened. He understands what happened. I, I can't even imagine what a life lies ahead of him. At the funeral of his parents, Matan Henkin recited the Kadi. Yes, that is a video, that is an audio clip that we never want to share. Now, who are the Hankins? The Henkin family is a, a, a royal rabbinic royalty. Etam, Etam's great grandfather, was a rabbi right here in New York. Many know him, knew him from the Lower East Side. Rav Yosef Elio Henkin, a, a, a giant, born in 1881, died in 1973. He founded the organization called Ezra's Torah, which helped countless rabbis and Tamidei Chachamim with assistance, financial assistance to make it through the year. If you were ever a gabai in a shul in America, as I was for many years, you know the Ezra's Torah, Luach, the calendar, that we always waited for in the mail before the days of the internet. We'd wait for the Ezra's Torah, Torah Luach to come in the mail. It was a, a little booklet which included all the information that a gabai needs for the, during the year. What what we say, what we don't say, this job is that job is, and it, and it came out every single year, it continues to come out. But a lot of this stuff now is on the internet, so it's not as, not as, um, anticipated. He was a great posek also, and uh, he, he, um, answered many, many questions that had come up in New York, in America, during, um, the early 1900s and the mid 1900s. Rabbi Yosef Elio Henkin's grandson is Harav Yehuda Henkin. He's Etam's father. A great man in his own right. He's a well-known posek in Israel. A well-known rabbinic decisor. He wrote three volumes of responsa literature of Shalos and Chuvos called Avotu Vanim. Now you're going to say, why do I say Shalos and Chuvos and Avotu Vanim? It's Shalot and Chuvot and Avotu Vanim, or Shalos and Chuvos and Avotu Vanim. Okay? There you go. You know who you are. Um, and in those three volumes, he publicized greatly the works of his, of his grandfather, of, of Harav Yosef Elio Henkin. Etam's mother, is known to many as Harabanit Henkin, Hannah Henkin, a tremendous Torah scholar in her own right, founded the uh, Institute, Torah Institute for Higher Education for Women called Nishmat in Yerushalayim, which so many know. These are amazing people. I don't know enough about the family of Naama to discuss it, But I do want to tell you a little bit also about them themselves, because Etam and Naama were both Mishichmam Vimala, as we say. They were in the top one percent of people that I would revere, I would look up to, I would I would wish that I would be like. I do want to for a moment before we get to that, I want to comment about the name. Etam. It's not Etan. Etan is a very popular name with a nun at the end. N means strong. It's also one of the names of Avraham Avinu. In fact, the um, this summer when they had uh, Operation Protective Edge, it was called Suk Etan. But this is Etam. And it's a word, it's not, not used very often as a name in Israel, though there is a, uh, 
former general in the Israeli army whose name is Effie Tam, that's his last name. It, it's, um, we see this word in Tehillim, we say it in the Tefillah when we recite the Perik from Tehillim, I believe it's Perik Yotet. We say, Shigiyot miyavin ministarot nakeni. Who can, who can be aware of our errors? Clear us, clear me of, um, hidden guilt. Gam mizaydim chasochavdecha. From Zadon, from willful sins, keep me away. Alim shaluvi, let them not dominate me. Az, then, etam viniketi mi pesharav. Then I will be, you could say, complete or blameless or innocent and clear of grave offense. Etam is probably a concatenation of eheye tam. I will be a tam. A tam is a person who is complete. Yaakov is an ish tam yeshevo alim. Sometimes we say a tam is like a tamim, maybe naive, but not necessarily naive. It's more complete, not not injured in any way. In fact, the Targum on this Pasuk says, Etam ehe bili mum. I will not have any blemish. And then that parak ends with a tefillah that we can all we can all plug into. May the words of my mouth be and the prayers of my heart be accepted. Hashem you Hashem, you are my rock, my strength, and my redeemer, my Goel. Naama, that's a name from the word Noam. Noam. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. Both beautiful names and beautiful people. Etam was clearly a genius. A real scholar. He published Torah scholarship on a blog on the high, highest level of, of Torah scholarship. And we're going to post a link to his blog if you're, it's in Hebrew, but if, if you're, just want to, if you're interested in it, but even if you just want to see who this person was all about, a tomhenkin.wordpress.com. He published an important halachic work already, he published a book. And completed a book about the Aruch HaShulchan. Naama was a graphic artist. She studied at the Emuna School of Graphic Arts in Yerushalayim. A very close friend of mine was a classmate of hers, told me what an amazing person she was. She had a graphic arts studio specializing in Jewish educational material. She was very active on the web, helping others in the Hityashvut. In fact, not long ago, she posted with all the tragedies that we find around us, please, everybody, make sure that you have life insurance. Isn't that amazing? This weekend, there was a full-page article in the uh, Yidiot by Professor David Asaf. He is uh, the head of the history department, history of Am Yisrael, of the Jewish people, at Tel Aviv University. And a Tom Henkin was his student. Here is a totally self-admitted secular Jew professor in a leftist university. Left, or as we say, left Shiba left, is Tel Aviv University, who writes an entire article about the greatness of Eitam Henkin. He writes it at 23. 
he applied for university. And by then he already had a long list of Torah publications. He did a master's thesis in 2013 about Orthodox, well, his subject was, in general, was the sociology and culture of Eastern European Jewry. And his master's thesis was the orthodoxy of Eastern Europe going from Chibatzion, the early pro-Israel organizations led by the Nitziv, to anti-Zionism. His doctorate, which was approved in March of 2015, but unfortunately will never be finished, and we will be we will be poorer for it. His doctorate was going to be a biography of the Chafetz Chaim, an academic biography of the Chafetz Chaim, where all the information is researched and sourced, and the stories are checked out. How great that would be. He already received the highest scholarship possible to do that doctorate. We'll take a break for uh, for some music and then I'll read to you two things. The letter that Eitam Henkin's brother read to Ambassador Dan Shapiro when Dan Shapiro came for a shiva visit to the Henkin home in Israel and some words that President Ruven Rivlin said at the funeral of the Henkins. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Sharon Razel, Ayelet HaShachar. Mayor Weingarten, you, my name is Mayor Weingarten, and you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you for joining us, making us a part of your day. We are talking about the uh, young couple that was murdered by terrorists in the Shomron, front of their four small children, Etamina Mahenkin. Well, uh, the Henkins uh, are American citizens. We mentioned that his great-grandfather was rabbi in New York. And so as American citizens, they get the great privilege, quote-unquote, of the U.S. ambassador coming to the Shiva house. And so Dan Shapiro, the U.S. ambassador to Israel, paid a Shiva call to the family. A Tom's brother, Dr. Yigal Henkin, prepared a statement to read to Ambassador Shapiro. And I'm going to share it with you. And I'll post the original, a a picture of the actual page, post it later on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel show. He says to Dan Shapiro, who came to console their family at the Shiva house, He says, I have to offer you my sincere condolences, Ambassador Shapiro. It is your duty, after all, to explain on a daily basis an unexplainable and unjustifiable policy that is of the U.S. government. You have to defend the U.S. government, which on one hand demanded that Israel should not free Palestinian terrorists with American blood on their hands, and yet demanded that Israel should free Palestinian terrorists with Israeli blood on their hands. Apart from the blatant hypocrisy, the U.S. government has seemed to forget that by doing so, it raises the chances that more people, among them U.S. citizens, like my brother, Etam, would be murdered at the hands of cold-blooded terrorists. You, Ambassador Shapiro, you have to defend a government that appeases its enemies and pressures its friends. A government that decided that its army will no longer be sized to conduct large-scale prolonged stability operations, when apparently the government itself is no longer sized to conduct prolonged operations or policy of any sort, perhaps explaining how chemical weapons continue to be used in Syria and how Russia got back into the Middle East with a vengeance. You, Ambassador Shapiro, continues Dr. Yigal Henkin, you have to defend the government, which focuses more on timetables than on results, succeeding in pulling out forces but almost nothing else. You have to defend the government that that is so full of itself that in 2009 it let Rahm Emanuel declare that in the next four years there is going to be a permanent status agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. And it doesn't matter to us at all who the Prime Minister is. End quote. How unfortunate it was that the Arab-Israel conflict cannot be solved by pulling U.S. troops out and declaring that the war has been won. And now we have Mr. Putin and company making fun of the U.S. in the Crimea, sending a clear message to the world not to trust America's assurances and guarantees. We have him in Syria, too. In 2012, President Obama ridiculed Senator McCain when the latter said that Russia is a bigger geopolitical threat than Al-Qaeda. It wasn't Senator McCain. It was um, the person who was running against him the second time, whose name now escapes me, of course, uh, Romney. Um, quote, the 1980s, this is quoting Obama, the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back, said the president. Well, continues Dr. Yigal Henkin, now the 1980s are calling once again to ask if we, if the U.S., if the current administration needs them to lend us some leadership, since apparently they had way more than we have today and we have less than we need. You, Ambassador Shapiro, you have to defend all that and more. It is a heavy burden for any honest man. I offer you my sincere condolences. Wow. And we'll end uh, the segment about the Henkins with something that uh, President Rivlin said at the funeral. 
Interesting. He said, we didn't, we, we did not know each other personally, but he revealed that a few months ago, when a, a young man by the name of Danny Gonen was murdered in the Shomron, leaving a family, Nama Henkin wrote a letter to President Rivlin, signed it, Ezrachit a citizen who cares. She was concerned about the terrorism, about the families. President Rivlin says at the funeral, Ani Hishavti Lach, I reply to you, Hishavti Lach Shehaaretz Kula Shelanuhi, that this land is all of this land is ours. Uveri Bunotenu, and under our sovereignty, Acharyutenu Libitchonenu Libitchon Ezrachenu. Our responsibility is for the security of our citizens. Hiftachti, I promised, continues President Rivlin. Shamchich lechabek et nifkei haterror. I'll continue to embrace those who were killed, the families of those who were killed in terror incidents. Ulevaker b'chol bayit. Bo kavaha orlanetzech. And I will visit every home where the light has gone out. Lo chashavti, lo aileti bedati. I didn't think, I never imagined. Shebebeitech. In your home, Yichbehaor, the light will go out. Vaani, and I, Vaanachnu, and we, Nechabek et Yiladaich, will embrace your children. Et Matan Hilel, Nitzan Yitzchak, Neta Eliezer, et Itamar Hatino Karach. The president ends, Naama, Ani Maftiach Lach. I promise you, that that embrace will never stop. Then he quoted from the last graphic artist, the last graphic um, artwork that Nama Henkin made. It was for Sukkot and dealt with the Arba Minim. And she wrote on it and he quoted it, Yikushru Kulam Agudachat They should be bound together as one and they cover for, they atone for one another. That's your will. And we will carry it out. Words of President Rivlin at the funeral of Naama and Eitam Henkin. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. This is a new song, and it is um, just released by several artists to uh, support the work of the uh, cancer research in Israel. It's called Tenli Koach. Very beautiful. Ani mabit mehatzad echagagal mistovev. באנשים בחיי שנכנסו לי ללב, אבל יש ימים שגם בין כולם אני מרגיש קצת לבד בעולם. ואז אני נזכר במילותיה של אמי שמחבקת חזק ואומרת, תן לנו כוח להמשיך גם כשנגמר, תן לנו זמן לחכות עד למחר, והשקט המבורך שחיכינו לו כל כך, הוא יבוא מעצמו. Give us strength. Give us strength. Amen to that. Tenli Koach, various artists in Israel got together to do this song for cancer research in Israel.
Give us the strength. That's what we need. While uh, the song was playing, I uh, snuck over here on my iPad and saw that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was speaking in the Knesset. I caught like a minute or two of it, and so interesting. He uh, spoke about a Tamanama Henkin. And he was uh, in the middle of criticizing the Arab members of Knesset, who actually, uh, there was one who he quoted, who actually said, hey, they were settlers, so it was okay to murder them. This is a man who sits in the Knesset, for heaven's sakes. I don't know. I mean, we have way too many things to do. All right, let's go to this one. We'll see. I don't know how much we'll accomplish. Whatever we don't accomplish today, we'll get to next week. Just... Uh, too much stuff. And by the way, um, the the uh, situation in Israel continues. It is very different than previous ones. Let me just share with you some of this information, some insights, before we get to the State Department and their insane hypocrisy. This round of terrorism and people arguing, intifada, is it another third intifada? We, we shouldn't use that language. That's the language of the enemy. It's terrorism. It's a terror rampage. But unlike in previous cases, this one is really mostly not coordinated, except for the murder of the Henkins that was a Hamas cell all the other incidents, which are knife knivings, are young individuals around the age of 18, 19, 20, who just take a knife and go out and decide to, that they're going to try to kill a Jew. They're not part of any organization. They have no prior um, record 
of being in a, in a terror organization. Israeli government, the Shin Bet, knows if you are part of either a terror cell or an organization that encourages terrorism. So what, what makes this 18, 19, 20 year old individual decide to get up one morning and put his life in danger? He knows that in many cases he will be shot. And, and I'm happy to say most of them are shot to death and we don't have to worry afterwards about trials and about trades and so forth. And by the way, while this whole discussion in America about gun control is going on, with the shootings here and shootings there and gun-free zones and all this nonsense, let me tell you, the reason that the situation in Israel, all these cases, ends usually after one stabbing is because the Israelis have been told to carry their weapons and use them. So in every case, there's a soldier or a policeman or someone in Miluim or a soldier on leave or an Israeli that has a gun permit who is carrying a gun. And the mayor of Jerusalem and the minister of defense and the prime minister all have told Israelis, if you have a gun, take it with you whenever you go out and use it. Anyway, the the incitement of these young people to go and kill a Jew is from two places. One is from their educational system. And the other, a big part, is from the Internet. The Hamas and other terror organizations have invested huge, huge amounts of money in videos of different forms that glorify and encourage young people to go out and kill Jews. And by doing so, they will be given eternal glory in heaven. Their families will be proud of them, Allah will be proud of them, and so forth. And they're brainwashed. All these knife attacks, almost all, were young kids that were never involved in anything who just one day decided to kill a Jew. That's not to say that there aren't a lot more out there who would be happy to do it. In fact, in several instances, the Arabs around the situation, when they saw the Jew being stabbed and calling out for help, in one case, an Arab that passed by and the woman was, Mrs. Bennett, was calling out for help, he said to her, die, tamuti. Others around there did nothing or walked away. In fact, one of the incidents on Shabbat near Shar Shechem in Yerushalayim, a reporter for Yediot Achronot, Tzipi Machlov, was literally there. She was like three feet from the incident. She was going to a store that she herself attested that she goes to regularly on Shabbatot. She goes to the Arab stores near Shar Shechem and shops there. And she, she says, she, she's like friendly with them. They're friends of hers. Uh-huh. Until, out of nowhere, she sees a young Arab. He was 16. He's all dressed up. She said, oh, look at him. He's like all dressed up. Fancy. Jeans and fancy shoes. And he goes, waits for somebody, and then stabs a Haredi person. And what shocked her was not only that, but was that all the storekeepers around, who she knows who are her friends, yelled out to the 16-year-old terrorist, Ruch minon! Quick, quick, run away! The police are coming! Instead of trying to capture him, instead of trying to help the stabbed person, her friends, quote-unquote, were telling the terrorist, quick, run away. That was an eye-opener for her. They say that a conservative is a leftist who was mugged. Wow. Oh my gosh. 
Okay, um, we have so much to do. What do we do first? Well, we have to remind you, and we will remind you, we're happy to remind you that the show, Israel Show, is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, which provides a limb with needs-based financial aid, employment resources, assistance with governmental absorption, community-based guidance and support, making each individual's aliyah as successful as possible. The Nefesh Benefesh charter flights, specially commissioned El Al jets, in which the entire plane is reserved for Olim from the U.S. Those flights are legendary, as are the welcome ceremonies in Israel that go along with them. Nefesh Benefesh has made Aliyah an in-thing for Jews in America. For detailed information, visit their website, www.nbnnefeshbenefesh.org.il. nbn.org.il. The Israel Show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. They are revolutionizing Aliyah. Well, for lack of time, I'm not going to go to a song now. I'll tell you a little bit about this other story. So, in August of 2014, last year, last summer, during Operation Protective Edge, Tsuketan, you may remember that um, Israel was criticized greatly for attacking schools and hospitals and Israel kept insisting that they were not targeting purposefully targeting schools and hospitals but that they were targeting weapons, missile launchers which the terrorists the Hamas in Aza hide amongst the civilian population and sometimes they end up in a hospital basement or in a school and as much as Israel tries their best to warn everybody it doesn't always work out and inadvertently at times civilians get killed in the attacks who should be blamed for that? of course the Hamas for putting the civilians in this danger well the United States, on August 3rd, 2014, Jen Psaki, the State Department spokesperson, started out like this. This was the, this is the, it's, it's on record. You could find it on the internet. The United States is appalled by today's disgraceful shelling outside a UN school in Rafah of Gaza sheltering some 3,000 displaced persons in which at least 10 more Palestinian civilians were tragically killed. The coordinates of the school, like all UN facilities in Gaza, have been repeatedly communicated to the IDF. And then they say the suspicion that militants are operating nearby does not justify strikes that put at risk the lives of so many innocent civilians. We call for prompt investigation, and so forth and so on. I'll tell you sometimes the sweetest way that we get to deal with these things is when the shoe is on the other foot. On September 28th, a few weeks ago, the Taliban captured the Afghan city of Kunduz. U.S. forces and Afghan for, U.S. and Afghan forces are trying to retake Kunduz from the Taliban. And on October the 2nd, the U.S. bombed, by mistake, a hospital in Kunduz. Hospital run by Doctors Without Borders. It's an international organization of doctors who volunteer around the world. In that bombing, at least 22 people were killed. And the United States military was given the coordinates of this hospital by Doctors Without Borders. Well, what do you know? Do you think the State Department was appalled by the disgraceful shelling? And I got to say, luckily, we have some some, one or two correspondents in this world who are smart enough and care enough to ask these questions. So we're going to share with you some of the audio from the State Department's press conference. 
Here's the question. As put by the AP reporter, the State Department spokesman. But in the case of this, the Rafa situation, mm -hmm. you called for a full and prompt investigation of this incident as well, in the, as, well as others right. like it. The begin, that statement began by saying that the U.S. is appalled by the disgraceful shelling. That's before an investigation had even happened. So can you say now, knowing what you did, that, you, that this shelling of this hospital was disgraceful and appalling? Yeah, that's a good question. If if you can say say it about Israel, that it's appalling and disgraceful, why not about the United States? Well, ladies and gentlemen, take a guess. Will will the State Department spokesman apply the same standards to the U.S. forces as it does to the Israeli army? And remember, before you answer the question, that the United States in Afghanistan is not fighting on its own border against missiles being shot on its innocent civilians. It is thousands, more than 10,000, I believe, miles away from its border. And it is fighting, not for its life, but for the freedom of others. So it should be all the more disgraceful. Okay, hang on. Here's the State Department's official answer. If you can make heads and tails out of it, good luck. Um, again, I, I, I would only uh, just reiterate uh, our, uh, uh, our uh, sincere uh, condolences. Ah, 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 ah. Here we are. There's more. There's more. Condolences to the victims of this uh, of this attack, uh, and just again underscore the fact that we're going to investigate this thoroughly. Uh, and uh, as I said, uh, once those investigations are, are complete, we're going to take steps to either to, to hold uh, any responsible parties uh, accountable or to uh, take measures that avoid any kind of uh, accident. In like the this. case, yeah, you got it. Uh, the answer is, of course not. Of course, they're not going to condemn the U.S. action. Of course, they're not going to apply the same standard to their own military as they do to Israel's. And by the way, throughout last week, the story by the State Department and the Department of Defense keeps changing. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. There were people in the hospital firing at U.S. forces. There weren't people in the hospital firing with U.S. forces. Doctors Without Borders can't be relied upon for an impartial view. Oh, that's an interesting one for Israel. <laughs> Who can be? You mean when Hamas reports how many people were killed, we can trust them? Oh my gosh. <sighs> okay, we're going to end off. Well, we have one more big thing. We're going to have to leave it for next week. Just give you a teaser. This current situation in Israel, this, this barrage of terror. The Arabs claim that it was sparked by Minister Uri Ariel visiting the Temple Mount. And that, in fact, the Jewish state wants to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock and build their temple, the Bet HaMikdash, in its place. And so, Arabs around the world must get together and foil this plot. And, sadly, many Israelis, including the Prime Minister, fall for this nonsense. Well, it's, it's, it's like a powder keg up there. We gotta be careful. You know, we, we, the Prime Minister said no members of Knesset may now go up to the Temple Mount, blah, la, 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 la. That's a bunch of baloney. And next week we'll share with you how far back this libel goes and is pulled out every time to incite the Arabs to kill Jews. And we'll prove to you how it's not true. And just remember that they claim, and many Israelis unfortunately buy into it, that the 
last rampage of terror in 2001, where buses were blown up and pizza stores and ice cream parlors were detonated and hundreds and hundreds were killed, that was the result of Ariel Sharon, a different Ariel, Ariel Sharon's going on to the Temple Mount. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. It has nothing to do with anything of the Temple Mount. It's just a made-up libel, an excuse to make the Jews scapegoats and to incite the Arabs to kill them. Okay. We have to end it off. So... We'll keep that for next week. So next week we're going to discuss that libel and uh, we'll share with you a book written on this subject, very easy to read, available in Hebrew and in English for free online. You can download it. Maybe we'll even post a link today so that you can, uh, those of you who want to read it can read it. The Al-Aqsa is in danger libel. The history of a lie by... Nadav Shragai, one of the uh, most informed people about the uh, Har Habayit history. Okay, so we're going to wrap up with Tzemize, um, Yermi Kaplan and Mickey Gabrielov. It's a cover of a well-known Israeli classic. Before we do wrap up, thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. Thanks you for, thank you for your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, an encore presentation of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson and headlines with David Lichtenstein. And then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the this Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race.